Please pray with me. Lord God, thank you. Thank you for this day. Thank you for uh, the way you wrote your signature across the skies this morning, Lord. Thank you for the hope and the grace and the mercy that's ours and that you have drawn us to this place to be nourished. Lord God, speak to us and feed us this morning. Reveal yourself to be powerful, full of grace and love and mercy. We pray, Lord God, that you would speak deep into our hearts this day. Give me your words to speak to your people, Lord, and may we all be filled with your word, that we might be transformed and drawn close to you. And we pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Morning. Morning. Spectacular to see you all today. Uh, so this Veterans Day weekend, I found myself thinking back on my time in the military, doing a little uh, retrospective back to the old days. You're supposed to laugh there, right? The olden days, right? Back when it was hard. Uh, and in particular, I found myself thinking about the motivational speeches I heard when I was in the military. In particular, why are you laughing, Daryl? That's right. In particular, the speeches I heard during my different training schools I attended. So basic training, infantry school, airborne school, ranger indoctrination program, uh, pre-ranger, and then ranger school, and then primary leadership development school, or PLDC class, um, course. And uh, just thinking about all those different people who spoke into my life with motivational words. <laughs> and the motivation usually went something like this. You are going to quit. You are going to fail. You are going to give up. You are not going to make it. You are going to get hurt. You are going to wish you never came here. You're going to wish you never were born. Right, actually above the, the gates of ranger school, there is an archway that says, Abandon hope, all you who enter here. Right, quoting Dante, of course. Right, isn't it Dante or is that Milton? Is that, okay, yeah. So there we were. Uh, there I was. I found myself in ranger school. Uh, and forest ranger. Forest, not forest, forest ranger. ranger. Uh, airborne ranger. Uh, and uh, this, there were around just under 500 of us who started ranger school together. Uh, and these were people who had been brought from different branches of the military and had trained for a long time to be prepared for what they would endure at ranger school. And in my class, it was a winter class, which are known to be the most... Uh, the least pleasant, I guess I'll say it like that. There were 480 of us who started, and of those 480, 72 graduated. Wow. So the instructors were right, weren't they? Mostly. Right, they were right and they were wrong. They were right in that, yeah, a lot of people did quit because they were smart. <laughs> right? The sooner you quit, the better it is. And that's what we always said to ourselves, quit early and quit often. But they were wrong, too, right? Because there were a few of us who were stupid enough, just foolish enough to keep going for some reason. But even that has to be qualified. Even that, those people who didn't quit, that has to be, you have to look at that a little closer. Because in reality, all of us fell short. We'll talk about that later. 
So here in our Old Testament passage, we have another motivational speech from Joshua as well, right? The great military commander of Israel. And if you remember last Sunday, we were just crossing the Jordan River on dry land in chapter 3. Well, now we've jumped 21 chapters to chapter 24, and the battles have been fought, the promised land has been taken, and in the process, the warriors of Israel have had great success, but also have failed time and time again. They've fallen short of what they were called to do. They haven't done everything that God called them to do and told them to do. And so here we are, uh, we are in the land of Israel, the promised land, and Joshua gathers up his people and he speaks to them about God's faithfulness and renews the covenant with God. And so he says to them, long ago, your ancestors, Terah and his sons, Abraham and Nahor, lived beyond the Euphrates and served other gods. Then I took your father, Abraham, from beyond the river and led him through all the land of Canaan and made his offspring many. God is reminding his people what their history is. They're all descendants of this family. And all of them have a common history, and that is that God plucked them out of obscurity, pulled them from their worship of other gods that did nothing for them, revealed himself to them, to this people uniquely and specifically, and provided for them, and cared for them, and watched over them, and gave them everything that they have now. These actions demand a response. And the response that God asks of them is that now therefore revere the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your ancestors served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. So love the Lord, worship the Lord and trust in him. And there's an implied reality that the people hadn't yet gotten rid of the other gods. They were keeping them like an ace card up their sleeve, right? Just in case, just in case they wanted to have another one of those gods, maybe a god of fire or a god of rain, depending on which was helpful at the time, right? They wanted to have something, a backup plan in case God backed out on them. But Joshua is saying, trust in God and put away those other gods. And then Joshua shows his mettle as a leader. He shows just what kind of person he is. He says, look, if you're unwilling to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you'll serve, whether one of these other gods in in the old land or one of the gods in the land you're living. But for me, regardless of what you all do, as for me and my household, we will do what? Serve the Lord. Lord. You've heard the verse. That's right. (laughs) We will serve the Lord. Joshua was committed no matter what happened. He would serve the Lord. He was willing to do it. And the people respond just how we hope they would. They respond with faith. They respond with just this great reaction because they retrace God's historical faithfulness to them. They retrace God's salvation history of how he has been working among them. And they say, far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For it is the Lord our God who brought us and our ancestors up from the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, and who did those great signs in our sight. He protected us all along the way. 
and among all the people through whom we passed. And the Lord drove out from before us all the peoples, the Amorites, who lived in this land. Therefore, we also will serve the Lord, for he is our God. Do you hear what they've done? They've looked back in their past and said, Look, we've seen God working. We've seen what he's done. We've seen how he intervened and how he protected and cared for us. We've seen his faithfulness. How could we go anywhere else? God is our God. Now, if I were leading these people, I would be like, way to go. Right, okay, let's do this together, people. Right, wouldn't you? If you were leading... This is the kind of behavior you want, isn't it? You want to encourage it. But Joshua does the most unexpected thing, the most anti-motivational speaker thing. He says, you can't serve the Lord. You can't do it. You cannot do it. Because God is a holy God. What does holy mean? Set apart and perfect. And God is Absolutely perfect. And God demands what from people? Perfection. And Joshua has been leading these people. He's been with them since Egypt. And what does he know they don't do? Perfection, right? That's right. They're perfect in their imperfection, I think he could say. He knows they won't. And he knows that God is a jealous God. God is a God who just doesn't say like, ah, idolatry is no big deal, guys. Come on, let's go hang out. No, that's not how God works. God is a God of perfection. And he knows that idolatry will kill us. And so he stands strongly against it and does not allow it. Joshua tells the people, that they don't have what it takes. They cannot do it. They will fail. They will quit. They will fall out. They will fall short. But the people persist. They persist. They continue to say, no, no, Joshua, we will. Why would they do that? Because they believe they will. They believe they will. And I think there's a little element in them, kind of like the disciples. Remember when many of the disciples of Jesus leave him? And Jesus turns to the twelve and says, what about you? Are you going to leave? And they say, Lord, where can we go? To who else can we go? You have the words of eternal life. Where else can we go? The people have looked at their history. The Israelites know what God has done for them. They know there is nowhere else to turn but him. And so they double down on their faith. And say, we will believe. So Joshua says, you are witnesses against yourself that you have chosen the Lord to serve him. And they said, we are witnesses. We are witnesses. And so they make a covenant. Joshua and the people make a covenant that day. And they made statutes and ordinances for them at Shechem. They committed themselves to God anew. Now, I started with the example of motivational speeches in the military, and I said that the speakers were both right and wrong, right? They were right because um, a lot of people did quit, right? They were smart. They quit. But that statement, uh, but they also, um, 
I said they were wrong, right? Because other people didn't quit as well. But that's not entirely true, right? Because I was one of those who made it through. But how many times do you think I quit in that process? What? I can't believe you would think so little of me. You sound like Joshua. That's right. I quit a million times every day of ranger school. As the snow was falling, as my boots were frozen, as I woke up to another freezing day, already freezing, I quit all the time. It's just I didn't quit enough to quit. (laughs) Right? I didn't give up all the way, right? I was just dumb enough to keep going. But you know what? When we were like laying on the ground doing flutter kicks for two hours, you know flutter kicks, those things, those little swimmer kicks, when the when the ranger instructor wasn't looking, what was I doing? Stopping. Stopping. I had my heels on the ground, right? Or I had them curled up on my chest like a little like dead stink bug, right? And when we were doing push-ups like in the middle of the night all night long, right? When the ranger instructor wasn't looking, what was I doing? Yeah, I had my knees on the ground, I had my hip on the ground, I had like a chest on the ground. I just didn't get caught. Didn't get caught. But I was quitting. And even when the, the ranger instructor was looking at me, even when he was watching me, did he know what was going on in my heart, in my mind? Did he know the curses I was calling down from heaven upon him? No. I was quitting all the time. All the time. So what if the ranger instructor was always looking? What if the ranger instructor always saw me? And what if he could see into my heart? The reality was, I was quitting all the time. I was just quitting at an acceptable level for the school. If ranger school had been longer, if it had been harder, if they had demanded absolute perfection everyone would fail. It's just a school created by humans, though. And when we create schools, when we create systems of behavior, we make them imperfect. imperfect. We make them with stopgap, with like gaps in them, right? With release valves, because we know people will be people, right? So when I come up with a system for myself, do I fail or succeed at it? I fail at it, but then I change the rules, (laughs) right? You're absolutely right. We come up with systems we can do, and when we can't do them, we adjust the rules. That's how it works. And Joshua knew that the people were like that. He knew that he was like that. He knew that everyone, given enough time and enough pressure and a lack of enough sleep, will do things they wish they never would have done. Is that true in your life? Absolutely. Yeah, it's true in mine. And the next book of the Bible, the book of Judges, picks up right where Joshua lets off. And it says that the people did not finish the conquest of the Holy Land like they were supposed to. They fell short of that. And then in one of the most telling phrases in the Old Testament, the book of Judges tells us that everyone did what was right in their own eyes. What does that mean? They changed the rules, right? They came up with their standard and did what they thought was right. On one level, that's a very like positive thing to say. As long as your standard is good. As long as your standard is God's standards, that's fine. The problem is it's not. It's not. It's not. 
And so they did what they did instead of what God had called them to do. That's where their path went. That's where the Israelites went. Joshua saw it coming. He knew it was coming. He knew they couldn't do it. And we find ourselves in that predicament as well. right? We're people just like them. People haven't changed in the last several thousand years. Right? We are the same. And God, like the Israelites, has called us to something great as well. He has called us to a covenant, called us to relationship, called us to perfection. And you and I, we can't get there. Like the Israelites, we need someone to go before us. We need someone to be perfect on our behalf. And has God sent this person? Yes. Yeah, who is he? Jesus. Jesus, that's right. Jesus did this. He was the perfect Israelite, not just when the ranger instructor was looking either. He was perfect all the time. All the time. His behavior, his thoughts, his actions, his words, the way he treated other people. Perfect. Perfectly fulfilled God's law. And Jesus does for us what we could never do for ourselves. He is the faithful Israelite fulfilling the law. He has done this on our behalf so that you and I can serve freely and joyfully and full of gratitude in our hearts, knowing that our life does not hang in the balance because the commandments still stand, don't they? As a guide for behavior, as as what is right. Those have not been adjusted since Jesus, but Jesus has just fulfilled those commandments and so you and I, through faith in him, our, our fate no longer hangs in the balance of whether we can obey the, the commandments or not. They have been done. And so we seek to serve, to love, to sacrifice our own lives for others, not out of a need to save our own lives, but because our lives have been saved by someone else. And we are filled with gratitude and thankfulness. And so we seek to serve and love. Today, may Jesus Christ remind us just how much we need him. It's so easy in our world to be just like that book of Judges and to do what's right in our own eyes and to think, hey, I'm doing okay at this. You know, my behavior's fine. I haven't been arrested, right? I haven't gotten pulled over in a long time, right? I got this life kind of wrapped up. I'm kind of nice to people enough, You know, life is good. I'm okay. The reality is is that in our hearts, we know the the real answer. We know the real story. We need God's grace. And we need it big time. So today, may he remind us of our deep and abiding need for him. And may he show us how deep his mercy and his love is for each and every one of us. And may we receive this gift and live our lives like recipients of gifts, thankful, gracious, and generous. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you that you used your servant Joshua, Lord God, to challenge the people of Israel. Lord God, we desire to serve you. We desire to know you and to love you. Like Joshua, Lord, we are, we are yours. We commit our lives to you now, Lord God but we know we fall short and we ask for your mercy. We ask for your forgiveness and we ask that your grace, Lord God, would wash us clean. 
And Lord, as redeemed and set free people, send us out into this world in love, in generosity, in kindness, in gratitude. Lord, and may we serve and love those people you put around us. Lord God, we know we don't measure up on our own, but we put our faith in you. And thank you for your mercy and the hope you have caused to shine in our hearts. Lord, that your, that your grace has conquered our brokenness. And we pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen. Amen.